Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Your phone vibrates, uh, you take it out of your pocket, and up pops a, a, a news article. And you scan the headline, and you're like, what is this? Why is this showing up? This can't be real. But it definitely catches your attention. Uh, so then you go to your news feed. And article after article after article, it, it's the same headline, the same topic. And you're thinking, Google has been hacked. Uh, there's no way this is real. Something false is going on in your phone. So now you turn on the TV. And news outlet after news outlet after news outlet, it's saying the exact same thing. You use your phone for something you don't often do, and you actually call someone. You start to call your family, you start to call your friends, and everybody is hearing the same thing. Everybody's asking the same questions. This can't be real. How could this be? And what's the news? No more taxes. You never have to pay taxes again in your life. And I mean, it's good news, but you just are doubting it. This can't be right. This can't be true. How will things work? Now, that gives you just a bit of an idea of the surprise of what the original listeners, the original hearers, the original readers of Hebrews were thinking and going through whenever they were listening to the preacher's words. But it's not nearly scandalous enough to give you the whole emotion. So I want you to just follow this false narrative with me for a little bit. Uh, you grew up in a home of Jesus followers. For all your life, all you ever knew was following Jesus. You were in the way of Jesus. And you were taking seriously his new command to love others. Loving those who were like you, loving those who weren't like you, loving those who didn't love you. You were just trying your best to live this out. And you go to church one Sunday and the preacher gets up on stage and he says, hey guys, I just need you to understand. Um, Jesus was from God. And Jesus was all good for the past 2,000 years. But there is a new way. There is a better way. And you know, Jesus' command, that whole thing, that new command I give unto you, you know, love one another. People will know you're my followers, you're my disciples by your love for one another. That's all part of the past. Love who you want to love. You don't have to love anybody else. As a matter of fact, you can make it all about you. What you want, what you think, what you want, you can just sort of go your own way. Because there is this new, there is this better way to God. Jesus was great for 2,000 years, all one. But now there is a new way. There's a better way. There's a new covenant between us and God and how you can relate to God and be in a relationship with God and, and be right with God. And if you heard that, you should like be on your feet and like running out the door uh, because that's the scandalous nature of what is going on for this original audience of Hebrews and the words that they're about to hear that you're about to read today. I mean, they're hearing things that would push some of them away from Jesus, making them walk away from faith. Here's just some of the things that they're about to hear from the author 
of Hebrews. They're about to hear that the Levitical priesthood, what they had known their entire life, it wasn't perfect. The priesthood needed to be changed, which meant the law needed to be changed. There's now a new kind of high priest. They're going to hear that the law never made anything perfect. There's a better way to God. There's a new and a better covenant. And one chapter later, it's an it's referencing the old covenant is obsolete and outdated. So let's just jump in right where we left off last week. We're in chapter 7 of Hebrews, wrapping up with chapter 8 next week. Verse 11. So the preacher says, so if, you know if-why arguments, you use them in your life, in your workplace, at your school, in your home, if-why. So if, if the priesthood of Levi on which the law was based, could have achieved the perfection God intended. Why? Why did God need to establish a different priesthood with a priest in the order of Melchizedek instead of the order of Levi and Aaron? And if you weren't here and you don't know a lot about Melchizedek, you didn't hear this last week, Melchizedek, he was a unique kind of priest, right? He wasn't like all the other priests. He didn't come from the tribe of Levi like all other priests did. And he was a priest and he was also a king. And this is what you know for the entire Old Covenant, the entire Old Testament. There was never a priest who was also a king. There was never a king who was also a priest. And you can read his story in Genesis 14. But then the author continues this, Jesus is greater than. Because man, the whole Hebrews is Jesus is greater than. Jesus is greater than Melchizedek. Jesus is the ultimate high priest. And he continues on and he says, and if the priesthood is changed, the law also be changed. The law must also be changed to permit it. For the priest we are talking about belongs to a different tribe whose members have never served at the altar as priests. What I mean is our Lord came our Lord came from the tribe of Judah and Moses never mentioned priests coming from that tribe. The author's pointing out what the audience already knew. Jesus isn't. Jesus isn't from the tribe of Levi. He isn't like all the previous priests that you know, the people who were trying to sacrifice and make things right between you and God. He's from the tribe of Judah. He's unique in that way. And he's trying to help them connect the dots. He's trying to help these original listeners, these original readers of Hebrews to understand that things have changed. It's a whole different ballgame now. And, and if you think for a little while about that tribe of Levi from all the priests that came from it, and, and you're thinking about the tribe of Levi, and you're thinking about they're in charge of worship, how we worship, the way that we worship. They're in charge of the sacrificial system, what it takes to be made right with God. And you had to think about a book that you would associate with the tribe of Levi. What, what book would you tend to think about? And it starts with the first four L-E-V-I as a clue. What book do you think about, right? Leviticus. You think about Leviticus. But unlike the original listeners, unlike the original readers of Hebrews, we didn't memorize Leviticus when, when we were in our single digits, right? You probably, you probably haven't done a deep study of Leviticus anytime recently. You can come up to me afterwards and tell me I'm wrong. 
There are things that you just simply haven't memorized. You don't know that when you're about to sacrifice a young bull, that you need to wash the internal organs and the legs before it can be offered as a burnt sacrifice. And you don't know the differences and the similarities between offering a young bull or offering a sheep or a goat or how much it changes whenever you offer a dove or a pigeon. And that's all like just chapter one, right? We've got not got to the grain offering, the sin offering, the guilt offering, the fellowship offering. You probably can't clearly and easily distinguish between clean and unclean food. There's all the regulations that you don't even pay any attention to, let alone all the lists of festivals and how and why and when they must be celebrated. And why? Why, why is it that you and I aren't so familiar with the way the original audience was familiar with what the author's talking about, the law of Levi and everything that pertained to being made right with God throughout the worshiping and sacrificial system? Because it doesn't apply to us. We don't pay attention to it. As a matter of fact, you know, if you suffer with insomnia of any level, just start tonight, just start in chapter one in Leviticus. See how far you get. I mean, it's detailed information, but you don't really absorb it. You don't memorize it. You don't pay attention because it doesn't apply to your life, your relationship with the creator of the universe. But what if you were? What if you were this original audience? What if you were these Jewish Jesus followers? And this is all you had known your entire life. You not only memorized Leviticus, you had lived it out. Your parents, their parents, their parents, their parents. All your forefathers had lived out this sacrificial system of the old covenant. You can begin to understand the temptation of just going back. This is what I've always known. I'm going to go back to what I've always known. Or maybe I'm going to try to follow Jesus and still practice all these old covenant things as well. You get the temptation that this original audience was dealing with, that the preacher of Hebrews was addressing. And the preacher doesn't say what they want to hear. He says what they need to hear. And like the original audience of Hebrews, you and I don't get to decide how we worship God. If every person gets to decide how they worship God, then we'd all be gods. We who are in the way of following Jesus, how we worship God is fully in line with the new covenant of Jesus Christ as being followers of him. And the author is trying to explain why that is so important, why that is the way that it is. Continues on in verse 15. This change, man, all the old going away and all the new is here to stay. This change has been made very clear since a different priest, Jesus, who is like Melchizedek, has appeared. Jesus became a priest not by meeting the physical requirement of belonging to the tribe of Levi, but by the power of a life that cannot be 
destroyed. That's why everything's changed. That's why the old is part of our past. It is obsolete. It is outdated. That's why we're not living in the old covenant anymore. That's why we are fully people of the new covenant in Jesus. It's the power of a life that cannot be destroyed. It's an overly simplistic theology, but one that I embraced. When a guy can predict his own death and resurrection and then pull it off, you go with whatever he says. It doesn't matter if you don't always understand it or if you don't always like it. You go with what that individual says. If you, if you want people like me to listen to you like you are a god, I have a very simple two-step process for you. This is all you need to do for people to really listen to what you have to say, like you are a God. Step number one, predict in detail your death and resurrection. Step number two, pull it off, right? That's all it takes for you to be listened to and followed like Jesus was listened to and followed. That's what it takes. And the preacher of Hebrews, man, he doesn't let up. This Jesus is greater than. Jesus is the ultimate high priest. This new covenant in Jesus is greater than the old covenant. He continues on in verse 18. He says, yes, the old requirement about the priesthood was set aside because it was weak and useless. He's like rubbing salt in the wound right now, isn't he, to this original audience? For the law never made anything perfect. But we have confidence, but we have confidence, but now we have confidence in a better hope through which we draw near to God. Can you get the tension of the original audience? You mean to say that our, my parents... My grandparents, you mean to say that my forefathers, you, you mean to say that those great men and women of faith, that the way that they worship God, that the way that they were made right with God, you're trying to tell me that not only is like they're the, this new system, but it is a better system? Is that what you're trying to say? And the author's like, yes, that's exactly what I'm trying to say. People like the Pharisees had taken a complex system and they had made it 100-fold even more complex. And very few people 2,000 plus years ago would use the word confidence in their relationship with God. It would be, I hope. That's the best you could get. I hope that I made the right sacrifices in the right way at the right time. I hope that I had followed enough of the rules and regulations, that I had done the festivals at the right time in the right way. I hope that I've been made right with God. And the author of Hebrews is saying, man, this is so much better. You, you can have confidence. You can have confidence in your relationship with the creator of the universe. You can have confidence in your relationship with your heavenly father. All because of 
who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. He's saying it's a new system. It's a better system. It's even a simpler system. Do you ever find yourself consistently being the minority in a group? There's one area in my life where I am so often the minority in the group. I'm the minority in my immediate family, you know, my wife, my kids, my siblings. There's an area where I'm the minority, I think, when we're sitting around the staff table, I think all ministry staff, except for myself. Uh, Even when I think about some of my closest friends, it feels like I'm the only one who uses an Android as opposed to an Apple phone. I'm like the minority, right? And if if you are like that, you have probably met some Apple, some iPhone evangelist. I mean, they are telling you why their system is better, why it is simpler. Come on, Doug, would you just switch to an iPhone already? Ask Denise how many times she's tried to convince me to switch to an iPhone, right? And they fully believe, they fully believe, they are all in that the iPhone is the better, simpler system. I just tend to disagree, right? But the author of Hebrews, he's going all in. This new covenant, man, it is better. It is simpler. You can have confidence You're not meant to live out of that old system anymore. You're not designed to be living out of both the old covenant and the new covenant. He goes on in this, Jesus, the new covenant is greater than. In verse 20, he says, this new system, this new system was established with a solemn oath. Aaron's descendants became priests without such an oath. But there was an oath regarding Jesus. For God said to him, the Lord has taken an oath and will not break his vow. You are a priest forever. Continues on. Because of this oath, Jesus is the one who guarantees this better covenant. Not just new, this better covenant with God. There were many priests under the old system. For death prevented them from remaining in office. But because Jesus lives forever, because Jesus defeated death, his priesthood lasts forever. Therefore, he is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. He lives forever to intercede with God on their behalf. Better. Better. No longer simply that Jesus fulfilled the old covenant, but Jesus established a better covenant. And there's no going back. What Jesus did, it was forever. It was once and done. It's no longer daily, weekly, you know, sacrifices to God. It's no longer that once a year when the high priest can go into the Holy of Holies to make the nation right with God. What Jesus did, it was once and it was forever. Here's what I want you to get. You, you and I, 
You were not designed to live a life of faith with one foot in the old covenant and one foot in the new covenant. And some of you, you're reading like, yeah, Doug, and water's wet. But I mean, this old covenant part still continues to creep into our lives. Were any of you raised at all in a family that still had a bit of a foot in the old covenant? Uh, Loved my family of origin, youngest of seven. But there were still some old covenant-like things in, in, in our household. There were like some rules that were based certainly in the old covenant. If there was the available passenger seat in the front car, who got to ride in that passenger seat? The eldest sibling, always. I'm the youngest of seven. I never rode in that seat, right? (laughs) Sitting around the large dining table with all nine of us. If one of my parents were gone and one of the head seats were available, who got to move off of those benches and into the padded seat at the head of the table? The eldest sibling, right? I grew up in a family business, and I'll just scratch the surface in this. I am the only one of the seven siblings that never worked full-time for the family business. Because when I was a teenager, I could clearly see, regardless of your ability, regardless of your contribution, there were certain areas in the business that were reserved only for my eldest siblings. It would never matter what I contributed or how I worked my butt off. It was just simply the way it is. And I'm just scratching the surface of some of the ways that the old covenant sort of creeped into my family. I can somehow begin to understand my mom, who was just a beautiful Jesus lover, Jesus follower, but how she could buy into some of the things of that day of PTL and Jim Baker and those kind of things. Because there was part of her, there was a foot in the old covenant as well as the new covenant. And whenever we stand and we have some of our space in the old covenant and in the new covenant, it just gets messy. I mean, as a church, if you start to live out part of your time in the old covenant and part of your time in the new covenant, it just gets ugly and it gets messy. Do you know what that looks like? Have you ever experienced that? A church that is espousing and living out things from the old covenant and trying to push them onto the new system, the new covenant, the better covenant. Do you ever make space just between you and the Holy Spirit to ask the question, there's some things in my life where I'm living with one foot in the old covenant and trying to live with the rest of me in the new covenant. To ever pause if you're even in a position of leadership to say, here, there's some things in our church that reflect the old covenant where we're not fully living out of the new covenant. Are you ever concerned about behavior of yourself or others? You're trying to make sure that you are good with God based on your behavior. You probably have more of a foot in the old covenant than you can imagine. Your actions start to come more out of fear instead of love. You have more of a foot in the old covenant than you would ever think. You feel like following Jesus, being a Jesus follower... It feels more about jumping through hoops than it does a relationship. 
you solidly have one foot in the old covenant while you're still trying to live in the new covenant. If you have, if you have, if you've encountered some of the angriest, self-righteous, judgmental people who actually believe that they are right with God, regardless of how they treat you or others, you've encountered someone who is living with a foot solidly planted in the old covenant while proclaiming to be a person of the new covenant. If you've ever met someone, if you have, if you have, if you've ever met someone and they've said, you know what, I can't worship at that church. They, they meet in a school or they meet in a movie theater or they meet like in a multi-purpose gym like us. I can't worship at a church like that because it's not like a sacred holy space. You've encountered someone who has a foot solidly in the old covenant while trying to live out of the new covenant. If you have if you have, if you've ever encountered a self-proclaimed Jesus follower who reminds you far more of a Pharisee than they do of Jesus, you've encountered someone who is living with a foot solidly planted in the old covenant while proclaiming to be a person of the new covenant. If you have, if you have, if you have. If you have encountered someone who espouses or struggles with legalism, tries to put rules on other people and constantly rules on themselves, you've encountered someone who is stuck in the old covenant while trying to live in the new covenant. And the results are always the same. Results are always the same. It gets ugly and it gets messy. It doesn't represent Jesus well. It doesn't line up with New Testament theology. It's a stain on the bride of Christ. It pushes people away from Jesus as opposed to drawing them into Jesus. And that happens when we try to live life with one foot in the old covenant and one foot in the new covenant. I'm going to begin to wrap up today with these words about Jesus. Verse 26, Jesus. Jesus is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless, unstained by sin. He has been set apart from sinners and has been given the highest place of honor in heaven. Let's just stay there for one second, Doug, if we can. Jesus. N no other name. Doug Bender is the kind of high priest we need because he is holy and blameless. Okay, you should be laughing right now, okay? I am real and honest with you. That, that is not me. But you can't, even, you can't even say, Mother Teresa is the kind of high priest we need because she is holy and blameless. She'd never have her name in there. We said, well, what about Billy Graham? Billy Graham is the kind of high priest we need. Rolling over in his grave, if he would have known, I just did that right now, right? Only one name. Only one name. 
Jesus is the kind of high priest that you and I need. Let's continue. Unlike those other high priests, Jesus does not need to offer sacrifices every day. They did this for their own sins first and then for the sins of the people. But Jesus did this once for all when he offered himself as the sacrifice for the people's sins. The law appointed high priests who were limited by human weakness. But after the law was given, God appointed his son with an oath. And his son has been made the perfect high priest forever. Jesus is what we need. Jesus is what you need. Jesus is what I need. He is high priest forever. Jesus is the kind of high priest where guilt and shame no longer defined our lives. Jesus is the kind of high priest where you don't have to work or sacrifice your way into a right relationship with your heavenly father. Jesus is the kind of high priest where you can be incredibly close to God, but not come off as superior or self righteous. Jesus is the kind of high priest who will not simply say what you want to hear. He will say what you need to hear. Jesus is the kind of high priest where you don't always feel comfortable in where he leads but where you have full confidence in who he is and your relationship with him. And Jesus' sacrifice is enough, is more than enough. The old covenant, it is done, it is finished. Stop thinking you earn a relationship with God. Stop thinking you deserve a relationship with God. It's a gift that we cannot earn and that we do not deserve. It's a gift of grace. Next week, we're going to continue to talk about the old covenant and the new covenant and wrap up our time in Hebrews by the practice of communion together. But today, if you're looking for a way to respond on your connection card online or in person, if you've just sort of been checking out Christianity, what it means to be a Jesus follower. And you want to make a decision today to say, hey, I'm all in. This new covenant, that's where I want to be. I want to be a Jesus follower. It reads like this. I accept Jesus' sacrifice for my sins. He is more than enough. I believe that Jesus is able once and forever to save those who come to God through him. If you check that, we want to be celebrating with you, praying for you. Pastor Don will follow up with you to make sure you are resourced appropriately to have a great start in this relationship. Maybe you're already a Jesus follower, but you're, just, you're ready to examine, let the Holy Spirit examine your life to see if there's any foot still in the old covenant. As a follower of Jesus, I choose to live fully in the new, better covenant. As I thought through that, that means that I'm willing to let people call me out. Because I know that there are still times where I want to slip into old covenant theology. 
And that means that you're willing to let the Holy Spirit call you out, have other people call you out to be people fully living in the new covenant. Let's pray. Father, we, we get how stretching this would have been for the original audience, the original people who were listening to the preacher, the author of Hebrews. If there's some things in this that you want to stretch us in as well, there are times where we've taken stuff from the old covenant and we've tried to shoehorn it into the new covenant. There are times in the way that we live and the things that we think are most important that we want to take and, you know, pull the old covenant to justify and explain why we do what we do or why that's important to us. And simply we confess that sin to you. We acknowledge that you are more than enough. We want to be people fully living in the new, the better covenant. The old is gone, it is outdated, it is obsolete. What Jesus did fulfilled the old covenant. For those who are just beginning that relationship of following you, Jesus, we want to celebrate with them like there is a celebration going on in heaven. And I pray this, as they make a decision to follow you, that they would fully embrace that confidence. Confidence because of who you are and what you have done, Jesus. Your work on the cross and then defeating death confidence that we are made right with our heavenly father with the creator of the universe it is once and done in the here and now and for all of eternity we commit this we pray this in jesus name amen thanks again for listening any step you take towards jesus is a step in the right direction You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org.